Test, test, test. You want to go out and test? Test, test. How's that sound? That sounds fabulous. <laughs> All right. Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. I know it's been a while since I put one out, but um, whenever you guys get tired, you stop listening. So what the fuck do I care? It is what it is. I get around to it when I get around to it. I'll start being more consistent soon. Uh, Jamel Hill is putting out her, her podcast called Unbothered, so that should breathe some new life into mine as well. <laughs> Today, though, uh, I have an actual guest, and that's one of the reasons I decided to dust it off for my botherinas. And don't think you're not worth it, botherinas. I will get back to posting uh, more regularly again, but I've been so busy since I moved, and I've been on the road a lot, so it's really been a matter of just trying to figure out when to schedule it. And then I also do my YouTube clips. So between YouTube clips and being on the road, sometimes it's just like, okay, I don't need another thing to talk on. And I do get tired sometimes of my own voice between everything else that I do. I get like, I don't need to hear any more of me. But today, like I said, we have a guest visiting from Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> That's where he's from. Now, I'm not saying he, he reps it. I'm not saying he's all about it. I'm not saying he's going to fight you if you say something about Cleveland, Ohio. I'm not saying all that. I'm just saying he's from Cleveland, Ohio. His name is Dwayne Duke. Uh, not to be confused with David Duke, which David Duke is an old white racist man, and uh, Dwayne Duke is a young black gay man. So they couldn't be further from each other. I just want to make that distinction. Hello, Mr. Dwayne Duke. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, so I started in Florida, and the first month I was going up, people wouldn't remember my name. They'd always call me David, which was... Just, it's hilarious to me at this point. But back then, I was just like, no, it's Dwayne. Yeah, because on your clip that uh, I saw, somebody called you David Duke. Like, the guy introduced you as David Duke, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's become a joke that I do because it's, it's so funny to me that people can look at me and go, all right, he said his name is Dwayne. He said his name is Dwayne. Here comes David Duke. Uh, even after it. Yeah. <laughs> Even after it. Yeah, well, I, well, you know, David Duke. I mean, people sort of sit up and listen if they're like, oh, David Duke's coming. They're like, what's about to happen in this room? Yeah, and then they see you and they're like, that's not David Duke. Yeah. And uh, so you're also, which is interesting, uh, would you, is your title festival director or? Uh, executive producer. It just means that I'm uh, the wallet where all the money comes out of is mine. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're the executive producer of the Midwest Queer Comedy Festival. Yes, I am. Uh, this is year two. It's going to be in Louisville, Kentucky, August 21st through the 25th, and I'm crazy excited for it. Year one was really fun. We raised a little bit of money for a local charity. We had about 60 amazing comedians, and a few of them are coming back this year, so... Year one, you were in Columbus, Ohio. Okay, Columbus, Ohio. And how did that um, how did that work out? Uh, Columbus is a great city. It was a great place to start. Um, the 
there was like a bunch of things going on in Columbus while we were there, which sucks. So on Friday night of the festival, like right in the middle of the festival, uh, the Ohio, the state of Ohio uh, Republican dinner happened. And it was downtown between two of the venues. So to get from one venue to the other, you had to go through traffic by it. And President Trump announced that he was going to be there two days before. So they shut a lot of stuff down. So and there was extra, extra security there. But uh, in the same conference center where that dinner was, the big convention center, literally a wall, like like one hallway over, was a great big anime convention with like furries and shit. So well, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> because no one knows how to look at a calendar and go, "Well, maybe you don't want to hold your event this weekend." Yeah, no, it makes total sense that all this would happen. Uh, I think I did. Uh, where's Wiley's? Wiley's is in Dayton. Okay, Dayton. Never mind. I so did. it's like an hour uh, west of Columbus. But Columbus is way more uh, liberal, correct? Uh, well, it's a state capital, so it's got a little bit of everything. It's like there's farmland like 10 minutes outside the border of it on one side. I mean, it's got really, a really wealthy side. The Ohio State University is there, so like that's a big thing. Um, I mean, it's got its liberal leanings, but it's also got its conservative leanings. Like we're a, we're a red state right now, so or like a purple state. I get it. Did uh, what happened with the the? Uh, okay, so you heard about the scandal. Well, yeah, well I say scandal because I'm gay and dramatic. But uh, with the Laughing Skull Comedy Festival, correct? Oh yeah, with um, with it being in Atlanta and there being zero black women on the lineup. Yeah, of the sixty, which there's supposed to be sixty, you know, finalists yeah. uh, that are asked to perform at the Laughing Skull or you know in, in the festival itself in Atlanta. Um, there's supposed to be sixty. It turned out to be sixty-two, and of the sixty-two, not a single black female yeah, n- made the cut. Um, I don't know what the total lineup what the total lineup was because I didn't look directly into it. I saw two of my friends got in and I congratulated them, and then I went to work that day and I came home and uh, like five Facebook groups I'm in were just having a complete shit show about it, and I was like, okay, no. Yeah, well, when you're in probably. One of the... Arguably the blackest city in America. That's right. Yeah, I was going to say, it's got to be the blackest city in America. And then it's no... Like, you couldn't find a single funny black woman in all of it. Uh, The reaction that I saw, they said there was less than 10 that applied. I was like, oh, that was the wrong way to go about it. Yeah, I ended up seeing that and I responded to it publicly. I put a post on my page, which... uh, a lot of people saw, uh, far fewer people reacted to it than saw it because people didn't want to be seen as supporting it, even though they knew I was right. You know, like, cause at first I came at it from the perspective of if you're a funny black woman and you did not submit, you have no reason to complain about this. That's yeah. one way I went at it. And then, uh, a few friends, were like, uh, well, that might not be the entire story. And I was like, okay, well, if you can find me some funny black woman or a funny black woman that has uh, submitted, then I'll possibly change my stance. But for right now, I'm going with uh, if you don't submit, then you can't wonder where the diversity is. Yeah. Um, I 
I've submitted three times for that festival and I haven't gotten in, which it's it's okay. Like I'm not I'm not entirely pressed about not getting into that festival. I know how many people submit for it. Uh-huh. This year I it got down to be the last deadline and it was like sixty bucks to submit and I looked at the calendar, I was like, Oh, that weekend Pink is in Columbus and I haven't seen her new show and I can either drop sixty bucks on this or 150 bucks on a ticket to see Pink and like be for sure have a good time that weekend. Yeah. So no, and you're right. So so if, uh Laughing Skull came out and was like, you know, less than 10 uh black women submitted, whatever, whatever, and then they said cheers at the end, which was uh just an asshole way to end that. Like I think I feel like that's just in the template of how everything is responded to there, like so when I were when I send an email from my phone, depending on which account it is, I don't like I don't respond like I don't sign the the bottom of it anymore. Like so, the first email, the one I've been emailing back back and forth with you, it just says uh, Dwayne Duke, executive producer, festival Louisville, Kentucky, uh, August twenty nineteen, and then the website. Mm-hmm. So like I don't I don't personally write that in. So I think whoever wrote Cheers there. I really, really, really hope that's just how they sign everything. Yeah, and then that would and that would make sense. Um, yeah, so then that happened, and then a, a friend of mine sent me Brian Simpson is his name. He's mm-hmm. a comedian, really funny comedian, comedy store regular uh, in L.A., and he sent me a message saying, or uh, he posted on the thread where he was like, uh, there was actually a really funny black woman that submitted, and I can't remember her name, but uh, she was, and then he also posted her clip, Mm. the clip that she had submitted. And, you know, he was like, I know some of those comics on on the lineup this year, and I know that she's funnier than some of them for a fact. And I know some of the comics on the lineup too, where it's like, you know, some of the L.A. comics that get in, I think sometimes... Even the industry treats L.A. as if it's a credit, like living in L.A. is a credit. So they like having L.A. comics on their shows. But it's like some of your some of the comics in L.A. are terrible. Like I was on the L.A. scene for 16 years. And so I know how much bad comedy there is in L.A. I've seen uh, when I used to live in Vegas, when I used to live out here, like L.A. comics would come in all the time and. You know, they would do the whole big time thing, like I'm in L- I'm I'm out in LA, I'm doing LA shit. And then you would sit and watch their act and go, Nah, boo, you're just paying more rent than I do. Exactly. Yeah. And you're they like it, it's in Phoenix that used to drive me crazy when I because I took a break between living in LA and living in Vegas and I was back in Phoenix for mm-hmm. a year and it would drive me crazy that I would see these people that weren't even respected open micers headlining shows in Phoenix and it was like are you guys really treating these people like they're something just because they live in LA it's it like the LA LA and New York for sure get away with it uh, like it's like oh I'm paying so much more rent than you I'm clearly funnier than you are uh Chicago and Atlanta there's a little bit to that maybe some Austin some like Boston some Seattle Portland all those scenes where it's like and eh, they're out there they're it's it's a good scene, so maybe if they're keeping up there, they're gonna be they're gonna do really well here. Yeah, and I see a lot of that because I'm in the Midwest, or it's like uh, when someone comes to town, you sort of treat it like a like a big deal. 
I agree with being nice to comics. Excuse me. I agree with being welcoming to comics. I agree with helping other comics get sets if you can. But I also agree with... uh, It's your talent level. Yeah, you've got to be funny. It can't just be just because you're from whatever city. So what happened with Laughing Skull next was then... um, I went ahead and put together a little, because since I had seen the one, mm-hmm. and then I started to hear rumblings that there were actually more than the nine or ten, that uh, or under ten, that Laughing Skull had claimed. That's what I started hearing. And so then I just went ahead and put up a post, and was because, you know, different people were calling Laughing Skull out and even commenting on their thread. And then at a point, Laughing Skull deleted... deleting things. Yeah, like, it's like, what are you doing right now? This is the worst way to handle this situation. Like, the message that they put out, um, that, that didn't help. It's like, whoever is in charge of PR over there just... They didn't take a moment to step back and go, how can I do this and make and come out smell like a rose? Because comedy loves a scandal for a week. We all love something to talk about. But then next week, something bigger happened and we all have to write a new five. Yeah, and whoever was in charge of their PR in that situation, and this is one thing that I mentioned on the post that I put up, because I put up a post where I was like, whoever's in charge of the PR right now is doing a horrible job and they're trying to treat this like it's, like it's a clapback. Rather than, you know, a PR situation that needs to be handled. And uh, the fact that, you know, whoever put that post together said for us to, that they weren't going to feed into the negativity. And it's like, this isn't negativity, like calling are somebody just asking out. asking why this is the way it is, which is... It's a valid question. Like, how is this even remotely possible? Yeah, and so to refer to that as negativity and tell us instead to choose to congratulate the hardworking comedians. Well, I did congratulate my friends that are on Laughing Skull, but that doesn't mean I can't point out the fact that there are no be, black you women. Can't be concerned that, like, hey, why is this entire group missing? And um, I heard a couple of black women say they were picked as alternates, uh-huh. and I'm sure something magical is going to happen in a couple of weeks where it's like, well, these people had to drop out, so now there's room for you in the festival, and their faces are going to... Remember, what was it... When Shazira Zamata got got SNL, oh, I didn't know. I, I when they put out the whole yeah, because yeah, there was like, why, why is there no black women on SNL? Why is Keenan Thompson playing all the black women on SNL? And then like a week later, Shazira Zamata, who is very funny, who definitely deserved a spot on SNL, uh, was on was added to the cast, and Leslie Jones was added to the writing staff, and then you know, has later become the bigger name on screen. Shasira is no longer on SNL and no one's brought that up. Leslie has stepped into the role that she was supposed to be in in the first place. Uh, Shasira is touring. She's doing colleges. She's doing, she's working her ass off. She's a great comedian, but she like very quietly walked away from there and no one's said a word about it. And what happened? Do you know? Do you have any idea? Um, I don't know why she left. I do know that like, it was a big scandal for a week. It was like, why does SNL like it? It was what two thousand 
15, I want to say 15, 16. It was like, why does SNL not have any black women? Oh, yeah. No, I remember when they had the casting call, Tiffany Haddish actually had uh, showcased for them as well. Yeah. Like, And they had like five black women in the running and they had announced all of them publicly, you know, at that point. Uh, and But what, what happened most recently with Laughing Skull, um, they posted, they put a comment on my thread about it. Yeah. And uh, they put out another statement where they've taken four of the black women that have uh that had submitted and they offered them spots which is i mean the end goal works out but then what about what about every hispanic woman that didn't make it what about every um asian woman that didn't make it what about like all these other people that didn't make it like it's like yeah, you did something good, but something broke down at the very beginning of this process where these voices weren't like you're like, oh, they're good enough now that there's been quote unquote clapback. Like, what happened at the beginning of this process that these voices weren't, you know, li- weren't scored better or they weren't what you were considering you wanted for your festival? Gotta step it up, brown bitches. Just playing. <laughs> um, the views of Ty Rivera do not reflect Dwayne Duke or the Midwest Queer Comedy Festival. I do not need your nonsense. I'm just playing. I know. Um, <laughs> it was just fun to say. But no, what's got to happen is... Like, when, when all this Laughing Skull stuff came out, my first thought was, oh, fuck. I run, like, a small, diverse... My, whole, my festival's whole, like, thing is... Or diversity, you know, uh-huh. we're all these underrepresented, underserved voices. Uh, and I looked at last year's lineup, and I think there were five black people on my lineup, on my entire lineup. I invited eight, and then three just couldn't make it. But see, that's the part that people don't really take into account. And then this is something I don't have to tell you either, because see, I ask comics to go on the road with me every once in a while, or I'll put out a thing where I'm like, hey, if anybody wants to go on the road and stuff like that. Some people are very, very funny, Mm -hmm. but have terrible submission tapes. Yeah. And so it's like, that drives me insane. Like, Every time, every time I see a, a tape that's clearly from your phone and it's in portrait and not land, or it's in yeah, yeah, portrait not landscape, and I'm just like, you could have turned that. Uh-huh. Why didn't you turn your phone? T- turn your phone. Turn your phone. Yeah, I mean, like, am I watching a World Star clip right now or what? Yeah, like, just and and when it uploads to YouTube, there's all this negative space on both sides. And you're just like, what? What? Why? Turn your phone. And sometimes it's just not a good set, you know, because at least if they're killing it on that, then you can be like, okay, this is good. But sometimes you're like, I know you're so much funnier than this. Why is this? Why is this what you're putting out? Yeah, this is the only thing you have recorded or uploaded or what's the matter with you? And then some people want to get into stuff without even having a link. Oh, I got to have a link. It's like, yes, everybody has a link now. Uh, The first year of the festival, I got into it with a guy. He... He Facebook messaged me at like two in the morning and I was up doing stuff anyway. So like I answered and he goes, Hey, I just saw the post about the festival. I'm really interested in doing it. I've been, I've been a performer for like 20 years and I was like, okay, cool. Uh, Well, here's how to submit. This is the link. Send me a video. I'll pay the submission fee and good luck. Submit. uh, Our answers will be out mid April. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then that gets peppered with a bajillion questions. One was like, why do I have to send you a video? And and I was, he goes, well, what do you want a video of me performing doing? And I was like, well, this is a stand-up festival, so stand-up. Uh, and he goes, well, why do I have to send a video? My mentor told me to never send a video. And I was like, hmm, that doesn't sound right. And I was like, listen, I can't force you to have your your informa- your 
work online, you know, if you're not comfortable doing it, but to be considered for this, I have to be able to see a video. All you have to do is put up a video and uh, put it, it unlisted. Yeah, yeah, that's what I. I mean, like, or I can if you provide. put it on Vimeo, trust me, no one's gonna find it. Well, yeah, there's that. Um, like, I have videos on Vimeo that I can't find. Yeah, no, it's it's it's. There are ways to do it, so it doesn't make sense, you know. And when you were mentioning, like, you know, the other people that have fallen through the cracks when it comes to things like Laughing Skull, uh, yeah, I joke about that. But at the same time, it's like, for me, the fact that Laughing Skull was willing to go ahead and offer for people uh, spots, for black women spots, after all, I think is great, just in the way that, at least rather than being like, okay, we'll pay attention to this next year. They were like, okay, we'll see what we can do to rectify this this year. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make it right, but I also think that now that they know that people will be watching and people are paying attention, next year they're more likely to be more inclusive. Yeah. And I'm of two minds of the thing. Like, I don't want to get in... I don't want to just get a spot because I hit a quota that you're looking for, but I also... Fuck it. Like, if that's what it takes to get me in and to get me the work that I need after that, I I know that I can back up whatever spot I get. I get it. I get into things however I get in. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care even a little bit. I've gotten things because I'm brown. I've gotten things because I'm gay. I've gotten things because I'm brown and gay. Yeah. And I've gotten certain things just from being a funny comedian. And I win shit from being a funny comedian. And I continue to work from being a funny comedian. So however I get my foot in the door is how I get my foot in the door. I am not at all worried about that. And I think that that's the way these women need to look at it when it comes to like getting extended uh, invitations. I don't think any of them should look at it as a pity vote or anything like that. You go there and you show them exactly what they would have missed had they not had you on the festival. Yeah, and I feel like all these women are going to go in and now it's going to be just whoever has to follow them has to follow someone who has to one, prove herself, two, has a has a chip on her shoulder, three, is about to annihilate every syllable. Yeah. Like she's got what, f- the festival's in May, so two and a half months to perfect a seven-minute set that she's going to do three times. Yeah, and, you know, and uh, Laughing Skull is... An, is People didn't understand how big a deal it was. Some people were like, you know, why can't these black women just start up their own festival? That pissed... Like, that response pissed me off to no end. Uh, but, yeah, Laughing Skull is... It's, like entry level to JFL. It's entry level to Comedy Central. It's like it's Yeah, it's like, like anybody that says that really doesn't know how this industry works at all. Yeah. So I saw the why don't they just start their own festival? Yeah, there are festivals that have been started that are just like this is us over here, but Laughing Skull has thirteen years of whatever ahead or fifteen years of whatever ahead of it. And you're also gonna do uh, you know, like you're, it's going to take you at least three or four years to even get anybody to pay attention to you, really, like when it comes to having industry and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, that's great. But so what? These black women are supposed to just sit on the sidelines for the next four or five years until... And the work it takes to put in to put on a festival versus the work it takes to get your set together to submit to a festival. Those are very different levels of work. And, like, not everyone wants to produce. Not everyone wants to do all this side work. I got it. Like, I started Midwest Queer because I looked around and I was like, like, since I started stand-up, it was like, how is there, like, there are all these 
other festivals and things and shows and specialty shows. Like, I can't tell you how many fucking 420 shows and 420 festivals and like 420 weekend, dude, I see. But it's like, I can't get, I can't go anywhere and there's two gay comics. Oh, yeah. I'm not, like, I'm not looking for, I'm not being like, oh, fuck it. Just make it all gay comics. Like, just, there's not, there's not two. But, you know, the truth is, I don't know if it's a matter of, like, because in L.A., you would imagine there's a lot of gay comics. And in in a way, there kind of are. But the gay comics really don't apply themselves in L.A. You know, like, you don't see them out at a lot of the open mics. Maybe now they've started to in the, in the year and a half I've been gone. But when I was there, it really did used to disappoint me in a lot of cases where it would just be like, where are the LGBT comics. Why am I the only one at every one of these voluntary open mics? Like nobody can tell you, you can't get up at an open mic. You just sign up. Yeah. Um, when I was in New York, I lived there six years ago. Cause I was like, I was like, you know, you've been performing for like a year. I think you're ready for New York now. Um, so I moved there and I got my real estate license cause I'm destined to be a housewife. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Like I went out and I was like, yeah, there's definitely gonna be like gay comics and stuff because I moved from Florida and I knew of two in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be in New York City. There's there's gonna be like hundreds of us. Like we're we're just gonna be falling out of closets and shit like everywhere. And I went out and like the six months that I was going up because I I let New York beat my ass. I was like, I don't want to be here. This city doesn't want me here. And real estate is really hard. <laughs> Uh, so I was like, I, I didn't meet anyone. I was there. Um, I met more gay comics in Columbus, Ohio at one time than I've ever seen in New York or, um, not Chicago. There's a shit ton of Chicago. Like Chicago has its own colony. Um, <laughs> yeah. Matt Brown. Yeah. Aw- Austin's down there. I haven't. Chicago. I love yeah. Him. Austin's got a great scene. Um, Minneapolis has an up-and-coming scene that I'm seeing. Uh, just from where I'm seeing submissions come from, it's like, okay, so these are where we're where we're hiding. Mm-hmm. So, like, Boston's got some. Like, Chicago's got a fuck ton. But, you know, they're all mixed in with improv. And, like, uh, Columbus surprised the hell out of me. How much representation are you getting? Uh, I mean, like, as far as when it comes to... Because we all know there's plenty of gay men in the mm-hmm. world. Uh, when it comes to like trans comics and lesbian and any bisexual at all hit you up? I, I do, I will admit that I have had to work a little harder to target certain people. Um, I, I think last year there were five, five or six trans comics on the festival. Okay. Um, which great i would love there to be more or i mean everyone that submitted they were fucking hysterical and the ones i've seen that this year that i think are going to get in again fucking hysterical it's not been just like oh my god i need you for this yeah um because i mean there were there were like three straight women on the festival last year and like two straight guys oh Uh, nice yeah so it wasn't just like a like my main point when i started i was like like I can't have an unrealistic world where there are no allies. Like those are people that exist. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely, yeah, a a crowd. Uh, When it comes to your personal life or the way you feel about allies in your own, uh, how are you as far as the allies go? I mean, if, 
if I don't have to teach you how to not be a shitty human, we're good. Okay, because I love the allies. The only thing I hate is when the allies start trying to tell me how I'm supposed to talk or what it is I'm supposed to do, oh, and I'm like, bitch, I don't care I how do many love, books you've read. I, I, used to, I used to say this way too often, and then it got, um, then we got into the political climate that we're in now. I used to refer to it as being um, white bitch offended. Yeah. That's where you're offended on my behalf and you're mad that I'm not mad. Mm-hmm. So now you're offended for me and pissed off at me. And just, and it's the thing that I discovered when I was in college and it was like people who were learning things about the world and it was like, oh, that's right. You didn't grow up this way. So this is a thing that is shocking. It pisses you off and you want to fix it right now instead of going, no, this is how it is. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're making small changes over here. Uh, yeah, a friend of mine, he's from, uh, not Trinidad, uh, St. Thomas. Okay. Uh, and I tell him all the time, he's getting white bitch offended at me. (laughs) He's, uh, he's like a six foot one, like island, like brown, like, uh, Taino, gay as shit, man. Uh, his name is Michael. He's studying like, um, psychology or some nonsense. And he gets the most white bitch offended. <laughs> yeah, it happen. It does happen, and I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and that's a good term for it because it is usually young white kids, male and female. Yeah. And I've always said, "Bitch has no gender." <laughs> you know, like it is. It's just kind of like you're being a bitch right now. <laughs> Calm down. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it, yeah. White bitch, bitch offended is a good way to describe it. And I've had a lot of people do it with me. I've gotten in huge arguments with allies online where it's just kind of like, I don't need you right now. Like this isn't a situation. Like you're arguing with the wrong person. I am very good at not arguing online. I um, I see where an argument's going to start. I've gotten super good at seeing where an argument's going to start, and and if I hit enter twice in a reply, I'm like I'm just going to copy and paste and delete all of this. <laughs> like at that second enter, like this this paragraph's really going to fucking get you. I'm like, nope, <laughs> my time is way too valueless for this. But I'm not. <laughs> I'm not doing this right now. What about uh, Jesse Smollett? Did you have? Um, I so the night the the attack information came out, I did what everyone did, and I went straight to Twitter, and I did all I could by hashtagging justice for Jesse, and then I think I tweeted something about. Um, oh, my next tweet right after that was I've given up pop and beer because. Uh, in an effort to to lose some some belly fat, because I would hate to be the fattest man jerking off alone in my in my Airbnb in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it lasted that long for you, the Jesse yeah. Small. You were like, oh, I paid attention to the story um, because I mean I've been hate crimed and it fucking sucks. And it was like if you know if we can you know just get this to be a thing that we will stop doing for a little while, that would be that would be fantastic. That's what made me mad about it. That's what made me mad about it was because, like, I was the victim of a hate crime a long time ago, back when you just chalked it up to you getting jumped, even though yeah. we knew it wasn't because of that. Like, but no, the world didn't care. I know, at that like, time. Obama was president when I got hate crimed. Yeah. So, like, I was like, oh, we're, we're in a different world now. Nope. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. And that's what, what really bothered me about this was this has been happening and it's so hard to get people to take it seriously because a lot of people are like, well, isn't every fight a hate crime? And it's like, no, that's not what we're saying. And so it's really hard to get people to understand it. It's really hard to get people to recognize it and to have somebody so publicly like make kind of a joke about it, even though he thought he was, I don't know what he thought he was doing. He was renegotiating his contract well, the best way ever. Uh, honestly, I will say this. The last year, the only thing the last year has taught me is um, PR majors need to step their fucking game up. Uh, there's been some unnecessary PR disasters. Jesse Smollett, unnecessary PR disaster. Um, Kevin Hart, unnecessary PR disaster. If you get caught on tweets from more than a year, from more than six months ago, like if if you tweet something and it it doesn't give you any drama within like a week, uh, meaning like everyone everyone saw it and just let it go, you got no drama on it, cool. But uh, if you're paying a PR team, there should be someone going back through going, all right, this is six years old, but that's going to give you some issues. We're going to click delete. Yeah. No, like no fucking way. Kevin Hart doesn't have a PR team, a company that their entire job is making sure his image is clean. Yeah, and that could have happened years ago. That could have happened without anybody even knowing that it was there. Uh, when Kevin Hart's thing came out, I, um, I, I made a self righteous tweet, and then um, five minutes after, I went through and just, and I just put in my own user handle and some uh, some problematic terms to see what I was tweeting when I was drunk at twenty one. Uh, yeah. You know what term you're not going to find on my on my Twitter? <laughs> Tranny. You're not going to find it. <laughs> I mean, you have to do like a real Freedom of Information Act to find both tweets I deleted. I was 21 and 23, and neither one of them were okay then, and they're for damn sure not okay now. Well, yeah, and that, but that's the other thing. Like, you know, people were talking that way in 2008, 2009. Like, whenever people bring up tweets from then, I'm like, yeah, that's the way people were talking. And I get it if you think that's problematic now. But then yeah, people was, weren't even talking about problematic. You never heard the word problematic. It, it was and, fucked up back then. Like, uh-huh. I was like, oh, that's, that's a little fucked up, but it's funny, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, it was fucked up then. And, um, like, I, I went through it. I, I saw some tweets. I was like, hmm. That's that's not who I am now, and I don't want anyone to even accidentally come across this. Well, yeah, that's it's one of those things. I personally um, had so many tweets that I didn't want to go through just because uh, I had a billion fucking tweets. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. you know, like twenty thousand or twenty some thousand because I've been on Twitter forever. Yeah, I think and so. I, I, think I just, I'm just did at the ten year mark now, and it's like. Like, I've looked through it, and, yeah, there's so many bullshit tweets, but just going through and dropping in my user handle and um, just a problematic term or phrase, anything I couldn't I, I couldn't defend to myself, I was like, that's gone. I just went ahead and uh, did used one of those programs that got rid of all of my tweets. Mm. You know, like, all of my tweets from however long ago, it just gets rid of all of them. I mean, my favorite thing to do is uh, I'll do like a throwback Thursday once a month on Instagram and I'll just grab a bunch of tweets from one, like with one word in it that all are connected and then they all go up. Uh, and th- those get way more likes than pictures of me. So that bugs me. <laughs> but I think my my hashtag game's getting better, which is the saddest phrase I've ever used. Oh, your hashtag game. It's, it's leveling up. Ugh, God damn it. 
I I I wish I was born like fifteen years earlier. Um, I'd have been coming of age in the late eighties, early nineties. I'd have been on the road in like the nineties. Back when you didn't have to have an HD video of you slaughtering a million people with one shitty joke just to work a, a bar in Texas. Yeah, and where do you usually work? Because you're, uh, you're a working stand-up, correct? Yeah. Um, I think I'm on the road about 30 to 35 weeks a year right now. Um, That's I work- great. I work a lot of the South. I do a lot of indie shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to do more club work, but it's an animal that eludes me, and I'm not I'm not willing to to put aside a full year of actual work to go hang out in a room and be like, "Oh, did you notice me this week?" Which, I don't blame you. Plus, some clubs. I'll tell you, there's one show, one club that I'm just I'm so tired of this club because. Um, it's a chain of them, and I've there's four of them. And if you know which one I'm talking about, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck <laughs> if you even told the booker about this and tell him to check it out right now at the what are we? The 36 minute mark. You go ahead and tell him to listen you can't right at the put 30 time on your receipts. You gotta <laughs> let him find it. No, no, I'm letting him know. I'm letting him know. Uh, just because I don't care if people, I just am not trying to be messy and actually use the name myself. But there's four of these clubs I have killed at all three that I've headlined. Mm-hmm. And the fourth one, for some reason, they can't approve me to headline it. And the others, usually they give people them back to back so that they can, you know. So, so you build a run. Like- yeah. and uh, But they won't do that with me either so it's just kind of like well what is it what is it that's so different about me that doesn't that isn't allowed to perform at a certain club i think uh i've i've held this chip on my shoulder since i started um i was like two years in and i was doing a guest spot to like sort of audition for a club in florida Mm -hmm. that has since changed owners and management but the owner, who's this real sweet guy, after the first show, he goes, there's just something about you that my uh, my crowd didn't connect with. And like I was like, I don't really know what you're saying right now. He goes, I don't think I can work you. And I was like, so should I not do the guest spot on the second show? He goes, no, nah, you can do it. And so there's no pressure on the second show. And I kill you know for two years in on a guest spot. Mm-hmm. Like I did really well for where I was in my career. Um, and he comes up to me afterwards and goes, you know, that was a lot better, but I don't know if that was a fluke or if the cr- or if this was just your crowd. I don't. I still don't know if I can work or not. And like on the long ass drive back to my friend's place, I was like, oh, oh, it's the other things about me. Well, that's what it is. Uh, that's why it's you know it's very frustrating sometimes. It's like, okay, well, why don't you just come right out? Oh yeah, that's because you'd get in trouble if you came right out and said yeah. it's because I'm gay. But that's what it is, and we both right. know about it. Yeah, like I, I get not wanting the lawsuit, but like, don't waste my time. Don't be like, oh, well, send me an email in six months. Send me an email in six months. Yeah, send me an email in six months. Or like, uh, ooh, once you get a couple more credits, send me an email in six months. Send me an email in six. That's just. Well, I think that's why I was asked to headline the three separately rather than do the run of four, which is what they do with most comics. Mm -hmm. With most comics, and this is the reason it bothers me, once you kill at one of the clubs, 
then they just go ahead and put you on the other three. Like, that's the way it works. With me, I've had to audition each one, like, individually. And then the fourth one, I just, for some reason, they can't approve me to do it. And it's like, well, why not? Like, I, like I, getting past is so... Oh, it's it sounds like such a dream. There's a there's a national chain. I think there's I, I don't know how, how they're owned anymore, but there's between like five and twenty of them. Uh-huh. Uh and they're they're a pretty big chain and the auditions in Columbus and it's it's a huge audition to feature. Um and I didn't play the game correctly the day I went in. Like I had I was in a sweet spot in the showcase with like five really great comics. And everyone had just built up so much momentum that I stepped in and just knocked it out of the park on my set. And then we go in the back room, and like as they're paying me, they're like giving me critiques about my set and doing things. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. And like the guy that does it all, he turns and goes, listen, I don't know if I'm ready to book or if I'm ready to pass you right now. And that was supposed—I I guess I was supposed to be like, like beg for it and be like, all right, well, we'll do it. Just like send me out, give me like, give me a shot. If it doesn't go well, you don't have to book me anymore. Uh, but. Me being a person who's like, yeah, that seems, you know, that seems fair. Like if you're if you're not ready to pass me right now, I'd rather not blow my shot and more work later mm-hmm. by going too far. It's been two years since that made, since that meeting, and I haven't showcased again. So yeah, well, you know, I and sometimes it doesn't really mean anything anyway. Like I'm a regular, I've been passed at every club in LA except for the Comedy Store. That's the only one, and it's like. Big club, small club in L.A., I'm a paid regular there, but um, not comedy store. But, you know, and it's great, but it's not really a credit anymore, you know, because a comic once told me, Fat James, uh, the dearly departed late Fat James. It's funny. uh Showing respect for someone that... His name was Fat James. Yeah, but everybody called him Fat James. He was Fat James. Uh, But uh, Fat James, who was an actual decent comic, you know, he was funny and he worked a lot. Um, Really busy character actor. He once told me, uh, once you... When you're first starting in comedy, you use club credits. Mm -hmm. Then once you get on TV, use TV credits. And then once you're done with TV, use movie credits. And so he was like, this is the way that it works. And so, um, you know, after a while, club credits don't even matter anymore. You know, I wouldn't mention that I'm a Laugh Factory regular or have a host mention that as like a credit because, you know. I mean, when I do indie one-nighters and I'm headlining, like, I'll be like, oh, well, like what credits do you want me to use? And I was like, these people don't know who the fuck I am. And are they going to laugh a little bit more because they, because I opened for some guy? No. Say from like, let's get it over with. Say from Cleveland, Ohio, I'll get on stage. Either they'll like me or they won't like me. I don't like, I don't have a credit that's so important to me that I'm forcing anyone to use it every night. Um, and when people do like, like I'll say it and, uh, if it's a comic that I love, I'm like, oh my god, I'm so excited for this. But if it's a comic like when I work for a cruise line, um, <laughs> a comic gave me a sheet of paper for his credits, uh, 
well, managing the comedy club, hosting, I would get up and do five minutes before every show. But I also worked a 12-hour day before that. Oh. And I didn't get a chance to talk to him. I was turning the room over, and I was like, okay, cool, you're on, you're on in 15 minutes. I'm going to do like three minutes up front. What, what do you want me to say? And he, he hands me a thing that apparently he does to all the, all the comics as a joke. It's got a lot of credits on it. So I get up, I do my announcements, and then I'm I'm studying this thing to get it right. I get up, I nail it the first time, and then um, it's the only part of the job that you're allowed to drink on. So I start drinking. So by the last show, I go, I I start with this credit. So I was like, ah, and I pull it out of my pocket and I read the rest. And I was like, all right, guys, give it up for. And you've all seen them because everyone comes to the show three or four times in a night. He pulls me aside after the last show. He goes, you're the only one that's ever done all the credits. That's a joke. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, you could have mentioned that at any point tonight. (laughs) Yeah, I had a headliner do that to me legitimately to be an asshole. And uh, it was a bunch of stuff like he had been on Becker and there, you know, it was like TV shows, that kind of stuff, stuff that doesn't matter to stand up. But he didn't like me. I tell uh, my botherinos all the time, I yawn too much on this fucking... See, I, I'm not yawning in regular life, but as soon as I get this mic in front of my face, I'm yawning again. It's, it's a soft mic. I think it's the lighting. It's a very... We're in a very well-decorated, very soft lighting room. Uh, <laughs> clearly, Ty knows his angles. He's stretched out. There are five shirtless men fanning him at the moment. I'm very uncomfortable. I'm being fed grapes in between. We're on the fucking Elizabeth Taylor plan. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there was a comic. He was, he was doing it to be an asshole because he didn't like me. Yeah. And I knew why he didn't like me. And I knew. So it wasn't like I was going to pretend like, you know, but I was, you know, like I am now still where I'm just like, well, we're professionals. We have to do this show together. I'm the host. I have to know what your credits are, what it is I'm supposed to say. So I ask him what I'm supposed to say, and he legitimately gives me a list and is like, and do not mess it up. And it was just to be a dick. So I went outside. I memorized the whole thing. But as I'm memorizing it, I'm getting more and more upset because I keep going over it. And I really am making sure that I'm not getting it wrong. And then uh, as he's about to come up, he kind of smirks at me. And so I, this audience is a bunch of like redneck types. It's in Rancho Cucamonga. Uh, and so I give friends from college lives there. Oh yeah. It's kind of rednecky though. You know, like it's, uh, it's the inland empire. She looked at me and honestly said, I did not know there were black people in Ohio. And we had a long conversation where she didn't know where Ohio was. So she thought there weren't black people in Iowa and I was from Iowa. (laughs) Oh, okay. That, yeah, that's, she thought black people were missing from, she was like, yeah, there are no black people there. And I was like, no, there are. Oh, yeah. Of course there are. So you're in Rancho Cucamonga. Oh, so, so, I, so then I give, so it's time for me to announce him. Like I said, he gives me a little smirk. Like he knows he's putting me through it. And so I give his all of his credits without messing it up, without having to take out my paper. And then at the end, I'm like, and you still won't recognize him. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it over. Ah. <laughs> uh. 
Oh, that audience loved it. Because at that, at that point, he was headlining, and I had been the host for And it wasn't like a short show. It wasn't like a three-man lineup. Yeah. It was a full, you know, like, L.A. Uh, type. Yeah, so. A 12-person 12, 12 showcase, and you're buried in the middle. Yeah, what kind of stuff are you spot. doing right now? Uh, like, are you doing mostly lineup shows, or are you doing three-person shows? or? Um, it depends on where... Um, a lot of like if I'm in a bigger city, it's a lot of showcases. A lot mm-hmm. of like, like I'll close a showcase with like 15. Or if I'm in the middle of nowhere, I'll do like 40 on like a three man lineup, which is fun. Um, I don't know which I like more. I know if I'm doing a longer set, I'm more likely to not do material and like mess with the crowd more. Yeah, like. I and that's the thing I gotta stop. Like I gotta like I just gotta get in there and tell some, tell my damn jokes. Yeah. Do, and have you had a headliner take you under their wing, or did you have a period of that, or has it been um, just you? It's mostly been me. Like um, I've had people who've given me advice, and like they've shown they've shown me how to get shows, and and like if there's a one nighter and someone needs needs a spot filled, people will call me. But I haven't really had anybody take me out with them. I've taken a couple comics out with me just for like quick runs, like up like up to Buffalo from Cleveland and back. Um, just I was like, I, I have a show this weekend. I'm gonna bring the lineup. They'll give me a couple people from up there. It'll be fine. Um, it's I don't want to say it's like a self made thing, but it's like it's more. I'm in I'm in the driver's seat, and uh, other people are. They've been adding to my GPS, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's great. And um, how long have you been at it? It'll be eight years, June 1st. So when it comes to your running a festival and being an active comic at the same time, how much uh, of your time, your being a comic on your own time, are you going to have to take away for the festival? So... (laughs) uh, like two weeks before the festival, I'm I'm probably going to not book much, and then like the week after the festival, I don't do anything. Uh, I don't send no any emails you. that aren't anything that aren't anything related to the festival leading up to the fest, which is why it's right in the heart of summer. So like, I can take that time off and be like, well, it's slow. It's summer. Like there aren't a lot of shows, uh, and then I'll get back to things after Labor Day. Because the festival is the last weekend of April or August, and then it's like a week, and then it's Labor Day. And after Labor Day, I'm like, okay, I'm back in the swing of things. Uh, but so as much as I would love to just be touring full-time, I have bills. So I've got a I've got a full-time day job. I'm in grad school. I'm producing the festival, and then, like, I manage me. So it's – I shove 80 hours into, like, a 40-hour day. Wow. What – um. What are you going to school for? Uh, script writing, actually. Okay. Because uh, I figure if I'm going to move to L.A. at 32, I should at least have a skill that no one wants to hear about. Okay. And wh- when do you plan? How far out is 32? Uh, next year. So okay. I finish school next year. I'm uh, I'm applying for NACA this year, National Association of Campus Activities, uh, which is... It's been a dream since I started college, or college, since I started comedy. Do you uh, think you're clean enough? Do you think you're PC enough? Um, I did a really liberal college in Ohio. Uh, 
And the review I got back was like I didn't go full clean. I didn't go full PC. The review I got back was the kids liked it. There wasn't any protests or any letters written about you, so it was good. Yeah. And how how do you respond to that with okay, so when it comes to Midwest Midwest Queer Comedy Festival, how many of your headliners have you already announced? Uh all three of you. Okay. So it's uh Samson McCormick, uh Tony Tripoli, and then you. Yeah, Samson I have not <laughs> met, but I really do like him because I've heard really good things and just Yeah. Um he was he was recommended to me last year mm-hmm. when I was setting up the festival. They're like, Oh, you should get Samson for it and I was like, You're saying a name that sounds like there's money involved. <laughs> I don't have money right now. Um this year I budgeted a little more, which is awesome. Um Actually, all the headliners that we got for this year reached out first, mm-hmm. which, like, that that really helped. It was like, okay, so there is an interest. And, like, people are seeing a value in this. It doesn't seem like they're going to waste their weekend. Yeah. Which, that's my, like, biggest concern. Um, so, yeah, like, I got you three, and then we're announcing some featured acts and featured shows over the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm really excited. I say this uh, as the exclusive. There's some really fun comics coming this year. Um, we have a couple shows out of Chicago coming back. Um, so Fuck Tales, that's going to be one of the, the theme shows. Uh, it's a show It's a show about uh, s- <laughs> silly sex stories. A friend of mine, Dylan, runs that. He's coming down. Um, he was in the festival last year. Um, strip Joker out of Chicago, the body positivity show. But I mean, I like a good, I like a show that gives me a reason to be in my underwear. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame you. Yeah. Like I'm not working out for my fucking health. Um, and then the two shows that I'm personally creating and producing for the festival, because running 20 shows all at once isn't enough. Yeah. And it's not, I I clearly was like, well, fuck it. More responsibility. So, um, one show is, it's a brunch show, uh, The Gay Agenda. <laughs> I'm really excited about that. And then like an hour after The Gay Agenda on Saturday is The Bar Crawl Comedy Show. Oh, that's going to be a mess. Uh, last year was actually, it was super chill. And I'm thinking that it's going to be much of the same this year. Um, I hope. <laughs> yeah. But it's also the marathon day. So I realized that, you know... It, while I do the bar crawl, I limit myself to like one drink for the three hours because it's like I have so much other shit to do. Last year, Saturday, I called the marathon day because it started at four o'clock and then there were seven shows that day and I hosted all but one. Wow. Like I like I was there to bring up the host and like do a couple minutes to introduce the show and for all of them but one. Uh, and it's just the logistics didn't work out for me getting from one venue to the other venue because I didn't have my own car because I was like, I was like, I know I'm gonna drink a lot and I don't I don't want that to be a thing and um, one of and I had a an assistant last year and she was like she drove everywhere and it was perfect. And as far as the people that actually submit, what's provided for them? <clears throat> um, as as of now, there is a hotel discount. Um, there is, um, you're guaranteed, is it two or three? I see. Uh, if you're coming in 
whole week, you're guaranteed three sets. If you're coming a weekend, you're guaranteed two 10 minute sets. Um, I'm working on, I'm working on getting more things. Yeah. Uh, but like, I don't want to promise anything more than I can deliver. Yeah. So I, I want to under promise and over deliver. No, it's great. I, I did reach out to you, which, yeah. you know, uh, I reached out to you first when I heard about it. Uh, I don't remember who it was that sent me a link, but somebody sent me a link and was like, you know, or tagged me in it, mm-hmm. uh, in your announcement and then I was like oh okay let me hit them up because it was that is my actual audience like you know uh I am a road comic more than anything else and so for me I was just like oh yeah that's that's got me written all over oh um there's a woman in Louisville who produces some stuff um Holly Lenae she's Mm -hmm. on Facebook she's fucking hysterical I've run into her at two festivals and she's just she's this she's like an assassin she's real quiet backstage and like she talks to people and she like she reaches out to people and she's like she's super nice and then she gets on stage and it's just like oh all right so you were just hiding all this under there (laughs) all right i see you (laughs) um she is helping she's helping me with a couple things this year and she's in louisville and she was you know she was there's a uh, Facebook group like uh, Black Comedians of America or just like Black Comedians and like that is one of the, one of the many specialty groups there are on Facebook. Oh yeah, there's a million. Yeah. I belong to several. Um, and you know, she reached out. She was like, "Before I say anything in the group, like, is it only open to queer comics?" I was like, "No, it's like, I mean, like, uh, I it's touted as we're gearing it towards a, a queer audience, and it like we're raising money for local LGBTQ." I a pl- quilt bag charities uh, mm-hmm. and you know, but allies are welcome. Like f- at the end of the day, funny is funny. I would rather have you know, like if I have to, I would have a funny straight person in the spot over like a shitty queer person. Yeah, and I would prefer to have all funny queer people. But like, you know, there are there <laughs> there are funny straight people. <laughs> You know, on occasion, yeah, <laughs> it's like it's every like a once thing in a while you run into do. one. Yeah, they they can be clever sometimes. Yeah. Um. So, and she was she was telling the whole group like how like the scene in Louisville because uh, it's like the sixteenth largest uh, queer community in the country. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, they've got this amazing strip of of everything. Um, the area where the festival is primarily, it's. Gorgeous. Uh, it's called. Oh, I know this offhand. It's like the Bardstown, not Hinge. Hinge is in Cleveland. Oh, there's a second name for the street, but uh, the, there's five or six gay bars in one. This one little area. Um, it's right next to the Comedy Caravan, and then there's another comedy club in the city that we're doing some stuff at. Um, and then there's some like indie spaces that are really cool. Uh, your do they still have a stand up live in Louisville? No, stand up live just opened in Huntsville though. Okay. Um and I have an email out to them for something about I'm trying to I'm trying to get industry out but like some of those things is like oh god how much do I want to like put into that versus doing this other thing over here. Yeah, well, you, I feel like if you continue to build it, industry will start wanting to go to it because it's as far as LGBT goes and comedy, it's a really underserved community. 
yeah, everyone thinks they're like, oh, well, <laughs> well, clearly we've got these five. It's like, well, Wanda Sykes made it. Wanda Sykes was uh, was touring for 30 years as a straight woman. And then she, then she like she let everyone into her personal life. Well, and yeah, like that's she, a lot of our LGBT comics. Rosie O'Donnell yeah, made it we, as a, you know, straight woman. She never said she was straight, but everybody assumed it. And she was yeah. never out of the closet. It's like all the people that are considered out and proud now is like you weren't out when it. And I'm not mad at these people, but at the they, same they time, they had to make a living. They had, they had a choice to make. It was like, can I do this? Can I do the? Can I live with myself doing it this way, or do I fight an uphill battle going this way? Yeah, and even outside of comedy, when it comes to people that speak for the community, I'm not always on board when Don Lemon wants to tell me something or Anderson Cooper because I feel like both of you made it while being in the closet. So don't tell me how out and proud you are now that you've gotten to the most comfortable spot. And I, I respect and I accept and yeah. I appreciate them are, for using their voice at this position. You know what I mean? At that position as, to help as long out. As, they're, as long as they're not getting in the way. Yeah. And that's why sometimes I they border for me on getting in the way because it's like you're not dealing with the same factors that we are, people that are actually trying to come up as LGBT from the beginning. Because, like, for me, there was never a point in my career that I've been in the closet. I watched the video of my very first night on stage recently um, because sometimes I like to check myself. Uh, and I... Sheesh, um, I overplayed it. Because um, I didn't want there to be any question at all. And... You didn't want to be part of the the queue, the second queue. <laughs> you didn't want to be the queer in questioning. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I don't want any of these bitches to think that I'm not. And then, um, I was like, uh, and yeah, like I'm a very loud personality, but like how far I went that night was essentially. And a friend of mine, John, made this term up, and it bugs me. He goes, he told me sometimes I. Uh, He's black. He that sometimes I'm queer cooning. <laughs> I've 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 used the term on stage before, where I'm like, some gay people are cooning right now. <laughs> like it is. I just like, <laughs> oh, and I was like, oh, all right, I'll tone it down. I'll walk it back a little. Well, yeah, and you know. It's like Dave Chappelle said, we all know what it's like to get, like, I think when you're a person of color and LGBT, you have twice the chances of knowing what Dave Chappelle was talking about when he said you're getting the wrong laugh sometimes from yeah. the audience. Because sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, these people aren't laughing with me right now. They're laughing at me oh, and they're the, looking at me as a caricature and not a person. There are some jokes that I tell. And if if the laugh's a little too big, I'm like, oh, that hurts. That hurts a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, you guys need to calm down that joke. I'm being <laughs> ironic. You're being serious. <laughs> that joke's a comma, not a punchline. Calm down. <laughs> Maybe don't hate so hard. Yeah, yeah, no, I wasn't expecting you guys to be excited about that part. Ooh, it's all awful. Yeah, no, I um, I know, believe me, I know. Which is, I mean, that happens, and it's going to continue to happen. Um, what else? What What else is there? There's there are nights when it's like if if I have low energy, like there's a version of my set that I do where it's lower energy, it's more storytelling. Um, and I think the gay jokes hit a little harder in that set because for just a moment, if you're someone was like, for just a moment, I've sort of forgotten. I was like, did you? 
I'm pretty sure that joke, I blow three guys, but all right, cool. <laughs> yeah, so you're, uh, so you've been out from the beginning I, as I've well. I've been out from the beginning, um, and it has been, I mean, like, I've been out since I was like nine. So, but like, I came out in a very different world than these lucky little bastards today. Like, uh, when I was coming out, like, I, I started questioning things when I was like nine, and I started coming out when I was like, 12, 13, uh, like right around 9, 11. And then uh, high school, what did I have? I had Queer I had queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Yay. Um, and I hate Queer Eye with a passion. Um, I had Will and Grace. Yeah. Bravo's had, Bravo had Boy Meets Boy. Um, and they revealed that half the guys were straight. And I was like, oh. And like, when I was like 16, I was like, that's fucked up. Like now I'm like, oh, that's actually just how it is. Sometimes they're straight. Yeah. Well, you know, that's one thing that still does bother me about Will and Grace and people acting like it's such a, because it's like the lead (laughs) is a straight man. Yeah. Wait, how about Will and Grace was one for 13 years and they didn't get around to HIV once until the second series. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's, there's a lot wrong with, but it's also just getting in the door. That's I mean, what you have to do. My thing is, if it keeps one kid in the middle of fucking nowhere from hanging himself, I'll, I, I like Karen. <laughs> well, Karen and Jack are great, you yeah. know, and if it, if it were Karen and Jack instead of Will and Grace, I think it would be a much better show just in the way that it would be more representative of what LGBT is. You basically are giving me a straight couple and trying to act like... <laughs> You're a straight couple, but they will sleep with men on the side. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, trying to act like it's so groundbreakingly gay, and it's what, like... What mm-hmm. else was there? Oh, I had Queer as Folk, and like that was formative for me. Like uh, For a while there, my personality was just Brian Kinney and Samantha Jones. Just as like I went to college for public relations because I was like I just want to be like high powered and fucking everything. But Brian Kinney was having that relationship with Justin who from was, the first episode. Yeah, a young boy in yeah. the first episode. And well, I, I was fourteen uh, when when I started watching it, so like I didn't see how wrong it was that the, it was like oh it's a it's an eighteen year old and like an old man and like a thirty year old. And now that I'm 30, I'm like, whoa, all right, pump the brakes. He wasn't all that old, but still, I don't want a 24-year-old in my bed, let alone an 18-year-old. Yeah, well, the first episode, he was like 17 or something. Yeah, he so, very much was underage. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> nowadays, when we talk about you know the way people are with then versus now, mm-hmm. nowadays, that would be a huge that deal. That would not fucking fly. Um I do love... Good thing Brian Kinney isn't working as an actor anymore. I don't know what happened to any of that cast. I think being uh, gay really was the kiss of death well, for no, a lot Hal of them. Hal Sparks still tours as a comic. He's very funny. Um, Hal Sparks is in great shape right now. Yeah. Have you uh, seen... Because he's doing this like where he wants to be the most fit he's ever been at 50. Yeah. And he just turned 50. Uh, and he's, he's well on his way. He uh, looks good. Let's see. Thea... I can't remember her last name. She played the mom. She's still, she's still touring. She had a show in, or she's still working. She had a show in U- USA. Um, Peter Page was in a few movies. Um, Who's I don't know. Peter Page? He was in Why it. do you know these people's names? Because I'm from the Midwest and um, I didn't have much else going on. So I, I would watch the series and then look it up online to see who, who I liked. Uh, when the L word came out, <laughs> 
that was my not that shit was my nonsense for a while. You were an L worder. Yeah. Um, bet Tina Shane. I wanted to be Shane. I don't know the show well enough. I'm not a lesbian. I felt like it wasn't for me. <laughs> it wasn't for me, but it had um. Who played Kit? Uh, oh, goddamn. Who played Kit? I don't know the show. Oh, no. Pam Greer. It had Pam Greer on oh, it. Oh, Pam Greer follows me on Twitter. I can't tell you how excited I was when she followed me on Twitter. I was like, Foxy Brown is following me on Twitter. Oh, and that, like, she's, she plays a woman in recovery who's just like, who's fit and fabulous. And, you know, she, she does play the magical Negro role a few times on the show. And it's like, oh, come Will on. You shut your mouth. That it's the way they wrote her, and she was like, "Did the check clear? Showtime? Okay, cool." Yeah, what does she care? She's fucking Pam Greer. I mean, like she was black exploitation, so you know. If- yeah. So going from black exploitation to old magical Negro is kind of a, a, a lateral step, I guess. Uh, but people, you know, like people in her generation understand that no matter what you do, there's always going to be an element that doesn't agree with it. Right. You know, an element of your own people. And it's one of the things that does somewhat bother me about being an LGBT community or comedian is that there are so many people from the community that think that they should be able to monitor your speech or tell you how you're supposed to say things. And it's like, you live it your way. I'm fully cool with you not using certain words, certain terms, whatever you do, you do. I'm not going to tell you that you should be like me but don't come over here telling me i should be like you i will say that i am more i'm I'm not like i'm not more like on the front lines of things but i'm more conscious of what i'm saying online now Mm -hmm. than than i have been in the past because i'm like well now my name's attached to something and i don't want like like i didn't even care about controversy i don't want to do a backlash like it is so much work to be like like i I don't know that I would apologize or anything for real, but like I do know that I don't want to even have that be a, a concern. Mm-hmm. Like, like, well, you offended me when, when you did this. Ugh, well, that seems like a real concern. Let me let me deal with that. Yeah, I personally just don't listen to people anymore because I've had like people don't get like literally when I first started doing comedy in L.A. There were no other LGBT comics. Is that where you first started? Or? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Uh, there were for the big door. Yeah, there were no other LGBT comics that would go to the regular open mics and mm. the, re- the regular shows. They were pretty much only in the like West Hollywood rooms or Silver Lake. Uh, like if it was a gay show, that's the only place that you would see LGBT. So like I personally, and this is no exaggeration or me tooting my own horn, it's just what it was. Because I had bad stage fright. So I personally went to every single open mic I could go to. And I kicked that fucking door open. So when some of these young gays try to be like, well, you shouldn't be doing this. No, you'd still be stuck in gay rooms if it wasn't for me doing things the way that I do them. So I don't listen to anything any of these bitches have to say. Oh, God. Did the gays have a... a, I guess it would be a chitlin circuit so much as a brunch circuit? Yeah, the... the the brunch circuit. And and it really was. It'd be like... like (laughs) No, because we don't eat, so it'd be like a, it'd be a Marlboro Light circuit. <laughs> yeah, it was so few, and they would go, and sometimes you'd see people that you were like, you know, this person is actually very talented if they would just get out instead of, you know, and like, oh, no, I don't like to perform around the straights. I don't like, and that's literally the way they would talk. Um, there was one guy that seemed like, really afraid of straight people. He was like, don't the straights go there? And I was like, the straights? Is that... <laughs> 
Yeah, they're the exact opposite of the gays. Uh, I Breeders. I do like this, uh, the festival, because I know for a lot of comics, it is the only time for months and months and months that they're going to work in a room where they're where they have an extra two minutes because they don't have to explain why they don't have to do like backstory on jokes. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first night of the festival last year, I remember watching people's sets and um, watching people like recalibrate how much time they had in their head because they didn't have to explain, like they didn't have to do setup for a joke. Yeah. They could just tell the joke and it worked. And it was like, oh my God, you, you know what this is. Like, and just having that extra minute minute back of your set. For me, that's when I first went to San Francisco. Yeah. You know, yeah, when I first went to San Francisco, I was like, okay, this is a place where they're so used to it that I don't have to go into a full, you know, explanation. Yeah, like, so I know during the fest, I, I cut some jokes from for whatever I'm doing. Essentially, I do the same, like, three three minutes of hosting, like a minute of 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 material and bring up the host unless I'm doing an actual spot during the festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, like I, I cut most of the dating stuff cause like we're all going through the same, like I don't have to explain what grinder is. Yeah. Which is, I love my joke explaining it. Uh, like grinders grow up for dick. Like if I'm willing <laughs> to eat local, I could be satisfied in 20, 25 minutes. Right. Like, <laughs> That it's a fun joke and it works in a room where, like, if it doesn't work, my first reaction is, oh, you guys don't have delivery here? (laughs) (laughs) And that'll get a couple people. Um, Just, I don't know. Like, so I don't have to do that. Um, I can tell more stories about, like, more in-depth stories about being on apps, which is killing me, by the way. You're on apps? I'm on all the apps. I'm on every... I'm banned from Tinder, so not on all of them. Uh, why are you banned from Tinder? What'd you do? For promoting the festival last year, I found out I had a second Facebook that I forgot about that I started in college. Oh. And um, at one point, they made you link your Facebook and your phone, or your, your Facebook, your phone number, your Tinder together to get on. And I got on, and then I tried to switch back to my original Tinder, um, you know, to look for love because I was in Alabama for a week. <laughs> and I just wanted to be scraping love off my face. And um, and I, like, logged in one day, and then I hit, I hit the wrong button, and I tried to log back in, and it was, like, error 405. And I was like, oh, no, what's that? And I emailed them, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're banned. And I was like, well, can I appeal? And they're like, oh, no, we don't have a process for that. So why are you banned, though? Just because you uh, had more than I one Facebook? I violated the terms of conditions. I had two Tinders. Oh. Because I had, I had a separate Facebook. I had two Tinders connected to one phone number. Okay. And, you know, I was like, I know people who routinely get sexually harassed on this thing, but I had too many Tinders and I'm the fucking problem. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, and, you know, I mean, like, I remember the apps because I was single a year and a couple months ago now. But yeah, I'm you're engaged. all engaged now. Oh, yeah. And I am so in love with that silly man that I, uh, you know, I'm not going anywhere. This is just what it is, you know, so. Oh, I've got I've got a dude picked out um, that once we figure our, our shit out. <sighs> That's going to be 40 years of my life. Yeah, no. Um, we've been boning for a decade, so. 
This one, unless he says otherwise, we're just getting married. We got to figure out a date. We got to figure out. I know it's going to be here in I Vegas. I know where it's going to be. Everything. You're going to do like a big thing or like a, just a quick overnight? A, a small, yeah, small people we love around, but no, I don't have any family I want to impress, and neither does he. We're not like those kinds of people. Okay, so just let me know so I can fly back in and get it, and I'll dress like Latrice Royale for you. Will you shut up? What is it? <laughs> Good God, girl. Get a grip. <laughs> Large and in charge. The chick with a dick. Um, Latrice Royale. No, so I saw a picture of, of a friend of mine with a drag queen the other night. And I was like, oh, did Latrice lose a bunch of weight? Nope, Bob the drag queen. Oh, Bob the drag queen. <laughs> Let me stop talking shit. Who is also Viola, Viola Davis. No. <laughs> Because, oh, oh. you know, every like I was the first person to tell my best friend that I was like, Bob, the drag queen looks like Viola Davis. And then he, maybe she is the greatest actress. <laughs> it was like uh, my best friend Renee is her name. She was like, you're stupid, but that's true. And so we laughed about it. And so on the night when Bob won, uh-huh. uh, I posted a picture of Viola Davis. And I was like, congratulations <laughs> to Bob, the drag queen. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is officially time for me to get out of here now And I know you've got things to do yeah. as well So um, the Midwest Queer Comedy Festival is being held in Louisville, Kentucky August 21st to the 25th The website is mqcfest.com uh, Or mqcfest on all the socials So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook um, mqcfest Yep because uh, I did not want to have to type out Midwest Queer Comedy Fest every time I had to go to the website. No, that's great. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And then you personally, do you have a website or anything you uh, want to yeah, plug? Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm. My website's DwayneDuke.com. Um, my Twitter is Life's a Party because I made it when I was 19 and can't find the password to change it. <laughs> and my Instagram is Funny Dwayne. That's where all my tweets end up. And I'm on Snapchat. Um, if any of you are dirty people, I'm funny Dwayne there as well. <laughs> oh my God. I I get so many unsolicited dick pics. I'm just grading them and sending them back. Well, that's what you do. You give them the red pen. And everybody, if you want to know where and when you can find me, you can go to americasfavoritefag.com <laughs> or... You can go to tyravera.com if you don't want America's favorite fag in your search history. But one way or another, you will get to me if you want to. Uh, I'm headed to China in a couple of days, so I'll let you all know how that turns out. Maybe I'll be YouTubing from China. You guys, uh, you know how to get get at me. Uh, Have a great, great, great week. And whatever you do, stay unbothered.